It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, I am Jason Squires. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, today um, we are joined with Chris Sonskin. Chris, how's it going? Doing awesome, man. How you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Hey, tell us about you. Kind of ministry life, family life, kind of what, uh, yeah. what all things Chris. All things Chris Sonskin, which is nerve-wracking in itself. Um, <laughs> yes, my name is Chris Sonskin. The, the last name always sounds like a sneeze. Uh Newoff and Songston. We both got lousy bad last names. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the name that no one can make sense of. Now, uh, married, got two kids, uh, just had a granddaughter. That's uh, exciting. My daughter had a grandchild uh, of a daughter and, uh, a while back, and so can't believe that. I don't like the title grandpa. Love, love everything else about it. It is all things amazing. It That's is, awesome. It's the best thing in the world. Um, so yeah, I live in Southern California, um, and um, I'm the founding pastor of South Hills Church. We have multi-site, uh, 12, 12 campuses, I think, about to launch another one. Um, and then we've got uh, Church Boom, which is another organization that I founded, and that organization coach pastors and rescues churches. Um, yeah, that's me. I uh, I don't golf like most pastors. There are two things I don't do like most pastors do. Well, I do golf once in a while if it's with a friend that makes me laugh, but that's about it. Uh, most pastors golf. I don't really golf. Most almost every pastor I know drinks coffee. I can't stand the stuff. So. What? What? How? How are you surviving in ministry? I don't understand. I don't know. How is I that a thing? I can't stand the smell of coffee or anything about it. So yeah, there's a. There's the u- uniqueness of it all is that I don't like uh, coffee and I don't like golf. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a replacement beverage of choice? Is that you? Um, yeah, no, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'll, I drink a lot of uh, iced tea and yeah. I've really been getting into the Celsius, the little cans of Celsius lately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like those. Um, but yeah, but I don't, I don't. So if somebody says, can we grab coffee? What, what do you do? Do you drink? Iced tea. Iced tea. Okay. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a, you're like, please, please have iced tea because coffee is disgusting. (laughs) I do go to like, and I tell people all the time, hey, let's grab a coffee at Starbucks. Then I get there and I order iced tea. But, you know, I don't want to go into a 20 minute explanation on my my theology on on the coffee. I just tell them, let's meet at Starbucks. It doesn't sound right to say, can we grab tea? That doesn't, I want to grab tea. It doesn't. Doesn't have the same effect. Doesn't have the same. Doesn't have the same ring to it. Hello, Pastor Bob. You want to grab tea? <laughs> Be like, okay, weirdo. <laughs> okay, weirdo. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds really off. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, let's jump in here. We're going to talk yeah. about uh, vision and purpose and ministry today. Uh, but I want to start off with. Um, well, it's it's really no secret that sometimes the lead pastor and worship leaders can have tough relationships yeah. and it's a, it can be a battle sometimes. How does a, how does a worship leader build a good rapport 
with the lead pastor? Like, what is what, what in your mind? Like, what are some ways that that could that relationship could be uh, strengthened? And yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. I think above everything else, at least for me, um, years ago I wrote uh, I've written several books, but years ago I not uh, wrote I read a little book. I don't even know if it gained any traction, but I just uh, loved the title. It was Loyalty Rules. And uh, uh, I don't know how much traction it gained. It seemed like it came on the scene and then left. But uh, I use that as a springboard to this conversation because for me, Jason, everything starts with loyalty. Yeah. Uh, I got to know that the person I'm working with, worship or any other position for that matter, I got to know that uh, above anything else, uh, that I can trust you, that my name, my name is safe in your mouth, mm. um, that you're not going to have side conversations about me. Yep. Uh, you're not going to bring my name up to the guitar player or to any other person in the church that you have a relationship with. Um, I, I, I will reciprocate the same loyalty to you. Uh, but I want there above anything else foundationally, if, if I, Foundationally, if I don't know if I can trust you, or I don't know if my name's safe in your mouth, if that doesn't happen, everything else is, doesn't matter. Yep. If I can't think of it. I mean, it's like a, you know, it's like a marriage, uh, you know, um, you know, in a marriage, it's like, okay, well, if there's no trust, then everything else is kind of thrown out the window uh, if there's no trust. And I think it's the same thing with, with the, um, with that relationship with a worship pastor or anybody else. So, you know, if, if, uh, if there's a worship pastor and they come and talk to me, maybe they want some coaching or whatever, I don't know. I'll say then above anything else, make sure the pastor knows that you're loyal, whether you agree with every single thing he does, unless he's doing something stupid and going, let's sell all our money and move to the mountains, you know, (laughs) (laughs) run. (laughs) If he's going all, you know, Waco, Texas on us, don't do that. But yeah, right. uh, but, you know, there's got to be loyalty above anything else because foundationally, for me, that's where it starts. And I think some guys would jump in and go, well, I need to have a synergy and worship in the spirit. Like, I agree with all that. Yeah, step one, though. It matters if there's not loyalty. And at the base of it, I trust you and you trust me. My name is safe in your mouth. You know, uh, um, and just one little extra tidbit here that you didn't ask, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah, go for it. Is, uh, whenever I teach on this trust and loyalty uh, concept, because uh, I think that two, the words are synonymous with each other, <clears throat> you go to the very first story in the Bible, Adam and Eve. You go to the very first conversation that really took place was Eve and the enemy, uh, the serpent. Yep. And of all the things the serpent could have, could have, uh, uh, attempted Yvonne or attacked Yvonne. It could have been being self-centered or being lustful or being prideful or being whatever it is. What was the very first thing he did? He attacked trust. What did he say? Did God really say that? Yeah. Can you really trust him? Create the doubt. Yep. Yeah. Create the doubt and ruin the trust. Did God really say that? Because the serpent knows, man, if I can ruin this trust thing, then you don't have a relationship with God anymore. It's just interesting to me in, the, in the, the wisdom of the serpent was of all the things that I can attack, I could choose a hundred different subjects. I'm going to choose this thing called trust. I don't know if you can really trust God. 
they'll flip back over to us of all the things we could talk about in relationships with staff members loyalty and trust better be at the foundation or everything else doesn't matter oh that's so good that's so good i don't even i mean and that's from that's from day one you just got to trust you got to trust that that's a, that's each other are working together and have that loyalty <laughs> That I hadn't, I had never equated that to, to even the serpent, but that makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. The first, yeah, and I don't think, uh, like, again, um, I think I, I don't. I think we we never really look at the subject. He said, "Did God really say what yeah. was the theme?" It was trust. Did right. God really say that? I mean, it was almost cynical. Like, did God really? I mean, did he really mean that? Did he really say that? I mean, don't you think that he is just worried that you're going to gain all knowledge and become like him? Trust, trust, trust. You can't really trust him. It's all that. And, and in the church world with, with staff, like, man, if you don't have that loyalty, if you're not sure what they're saying behind your back, if you're not sure if they really have your back, and, and, and vice versa. Yeah. The lead pastor's got to give that to the worship guy. Um, doesn't mean they're not going to disagree. Doesn't mean they're not going to have it out in the office, but um, foundationally, foundationally, I know that without a doubt, um, I trust you. There is probably mm, two people that I can think of that are f- friends of mine. One I serve under in his ministry. I help him. I help lead his ministry. It's massive. Uh, <clears throat> And, uh, and I'll tell you who it is. It's Hal Donaldson. I work with Convoy and I, I rep and kind of help connect churches to the feeding initiative of Convoy of Hope. Hal Donaldson is one of the greatest men of integrity I've ever met. And about a couple of weeks ago, someone was saying, Hal kind of said this. And I said, you know, I'm going to have to ask Hal that because um, that doesn't sound like something he would say. Mm. You know, and uh, it wasn't a big thing. But yeah, right, right, right. The point was, it was like, I know how. I love that dude. I trust him. He yep. can be trusted. Uh, and I, he can be trusted. So I knew without, I, I didn't go, oh, whoa, wait a minute. I was like, oh, no way. Because I trust that man. I trust him with my life. I love that guy. And there's nothing, you know, I mean, i loyal to him. And I know he's loyal to me. And Anyway, so I just, I trust him. And, and I think there has to be that depth of trust with, um, with people that you're working with in, the, in a staff world. Yeah, that's so, and I love what you're saying there because um, we've all been in those instances where it's like you feel that little question in your soul going, like, yeah. does he, does he, is what he's saying, um, it's, you, you can feel Satan kind of like bringing those questions up and, you, and, um, yeah. So yeah, totally, totally. Oh my gosh, we've all been in that space. Um, now, how would you define uh, purpose and vision? If you had to, if you had to define those two statements, like those two words, like yeah. what, what is what is in your mind? What is purpose and what is vision? Mm. Well, um, yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I think well, when you look at like a what I call a vision frame, there's vision, mission, values, strategy. Um, I think vision always tells you where you're going and mission tells you what you're doing. Yep. Uh, and I think purpose tells you why you do it. Yep. The purpose is more like a why, like uh, what's the purpose of what's okay. So 
church boom. Okay. What is our vision, man? We want to, uh, we want to coach pastors. We want to rescue churches because churches are dying and they need help. Okay, great. That's kind of our vision, kind of our concept. What's your purpose though? Well, our, our purpose is, um, and the reason why we do it, the purpose behind all of it, I could say, that's another way of saying it. The purpose behind all of it is because churches are dying. Churches are in need. The more churches we lose in America, the more we lose America. Uh, right. So we better be fighting for America in that way. So those are just, I, I think, I think it answers more of a why question. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Now as, as the lead pastor, what, what role does the lead pastor have in developing purpose and vision for worship ministries in the church? Like, so we're talking about, we talked about, uh, like building that relationship. Now what is purpose and vision? So Robert's like, how now the lead pastor and worship pastor, like what role does that worship or the lead pastor have in developing, uh, helping to develop the purpose and vision of a worship ministry? Oh, that's great. You know, I, I do think that, um, I think the vision has to always come from the top. It has to come from the lead guy. Uh, when you start getting down into the worship, um, I think there has to be some shared vision that happens there because I think it's when you're talking about, here's what I see the service look like. Here's what I want the feel to look like on Sunday morning. Here's the energy I want to have. Here's the feel I want to have. That may be separate from a vision that the worship pastor has to say, Hey, we want to create music that goes around the world. Okay. Well, the pastor may not feel that vision, but he needs to support it. it well, well, uh, he needs to support it or he needs to give its endorsement. He can't. Um, so I would say that the lead pastor does have a role. And I think the worship pastor has a role in the worship department of what it's going to be as it pertains to Sunday. I think that's a, I don't think the, the music or the song selection or anything like that should be done by the lead pastor. You need to trust the worship pastor. However, Hey man, we're looking for energy. We're looking for people to really get into it. We're looking for people to raise their hand. We're looking for people to get engaged. Whatever it is that the pastor wants, I think you have to fulfill his heart from the experience on Sunday. But the vision for what you want to see the worship uh, department comes again. Submit it to the pastor. But I do think it's the I think it's the leader of the worship that needs to come with that. With that, it's got to be. Hey, I'm going to make sure what you want on Sunday, pastor. I'm going to make sure you get that. But I also see us creating a big team and writing music that goes around the world and, uh, you know, coming out with songs that uh, people download and the money goes to feed children around the world, like whatever they come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's, that, that. I think that, I love it when a worship pastor, here's what I like. <laughs> I like it when a worship pastor comes to me with more than just four songs. Yep. Like, Great, dude. I love it. And this is what I want Sunday to look like and feel like. But, dude, I, I'd rather tame a wild horse than raise a dead one. Like, tell me you want to put music around the world. You want to feed a million kids through your music. Let's figure that out together. That sounds Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great. At least I would love that. I can only speak to me. Right, 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 right. Now, talk to the, talk to the pastor who is realizing they haven't done this yet. And like, there's churches that are maybe working in chasms. And um, how? What would you say? Like, hey, like step one to get on the same page. Like, how do you? How would you recommend kind of having those conversations? Step one of uh, the lead pastor getting. The, yeah. Speak to the lead pastor. Yeah, yeah, to the lead pastor. Oh man, if I'm speaking to lead pastors, uh, I'm saying pastor. Um, 
you need to have open dialogue with your worship pastor. You need to, you need to make sure that you guys are on the same page as it pertains to Sunday. You need to lead the way, not in the music, not in the, not in the, you know, you, you can't put a thumb on the guy. You're never going to give him freedom. And you're going to show him that you don't trust him, but you do need to lead the way in what you're looking for on Sunday morning, but you also need to inspire him and allow him to stretch his wings a little bit and go out there and make some things happen. Uh, if he wants to put music around the world or whatever other vision that he has, you want to encourage him. You want to add value. People gravitate to where they feel most valued. So make them feel valued, make them feel like they're part of the team. Uh, encourage them, bless them. Um, I'm always floored when I talk to staff members are like, man, my pastor never talks to me. And he's, you know, sometimes he's rude and sometimes he's this. I'm like, that's just not going to work. Like it doesn't work long term that way. Love the guy, encourage the girl, whatever it is, tell them they're great. Tell them they're awesome. Um, help them out, uh, have conversations with them, meet with them on a regular basis, whether that's well, you know, once every couple of weeks or whatever, but you got to do something that creates that connection um, because they are the second person on the platform. Yep. And they need to, they need to represent you well, and they need to know that you have their back and you love them, that you want what's best for them, that you care about their ministry. You care about their family. You want to see the personal dreams of their life come to fruition, not just, um, not just, they're not there just to fulfill your dreams that they have some of their own. And if you can help them fulfill that, they're all the more going to gravitate to you. People gravitate to where they feel most valued. That's huge. Yeah. Um, now you, at, when, when you, cause I know you've, you've kind of stepped away as the lead pastor of South Hills, but when you were um, over, over, overseeing multi-site campuses, um, how did you, how was this kind of like this idea spread through all the campuses were they running kind of autonomously or did you guys were you constantly having vision and purpose conversations um throughout all the ministries across all the campuses does that yeah. make sense? Does that, my question make sense yeah. yeah in that situation when you're running a multi-site if this is what you're asking Jason. yeah um so i i still work with south hills but now i just expand in the day-to-day is uh, and that role is by, uh, with, with uh, another individual um, that was on our team and that was in that role. Uh, but I do know this, in a multi-site, you have to have the heart of the campus pastors. They have to be on your team. You're working through them. You're not working around them. Uh, and it's important in a multi-site world that you do have um, – that relationship with the campus pastor, that they know your heart, they know your feel. Now that campus pastor has got to turn to his team, the worship and so on, and make sure that they're creating the energy and the vibe and the feel and the experience and atmosphere that, that ultimately is coming from the top. Culture is created at the top and it's supported at the bottom. So as a lead guy, you're the one endorsing, creating and shaping the culture. I think in a mono site, you work directly with the worship pastor. In a multi-site, you work with the campus pastors and make sure that they know your heart and they understand what you're going after. I love it. Do you, now, you guys have, uh, South Hills has somebody that, like a, a worship pastor that oversees all the campuses. Yeah. Yes. Now, he, what is, is he leaving up, leaving the individual church to their own ideas or is it like is south hills like across the board have the same 
mission and purpose and vision like across across all campuses. And they it's, it's, definitely need need to be having the same purpose, mission, vision, value, all awesome. that. Yep. It has to be united uh, for us. Yep. I'm not saying I think if you don't do that, you're creating more an affiliation. Yep. But you're not creating a true multi-site or true network or, or however you want to say it, I guess, but maybe not network's the right word, but you're creating more of an affiliation. So I think it's important that you are um, yeah, that they're all unified to that. Now, in a multi-site, I will say this, everybody's different, but people always, whenever I teach on multi-site or people ask me about it, I'll say, if you've got a guy that's sort of a, you know, the kingpin of the worship, the, we call it a champion. He's the champion of worship. He's the main person. And he kind of helps the other worship leaders, if you will. Um, I always say, if you take the worship pastor and then you, the main guy, and then you connect dots to all the other all the other campus, all the other worship pastors at other campuses, that line is dotted, not solid. Dotted being influence, solid being authority. Okay. So the main worship guy over the eight campuses in our world, and what I would encourage that he doesn't have a solid line. I think that his campus pastor is the solid line. The campus pastor is the boss in that situation. Yep. But the main worship guy that's helping all the other campuses, he doesn't have a solid line to the worship pastors at the campuses. That's that's authority. He has a dotted line, which means he has influence. And you have to separate the two. Which one? Who has the authority line? Who has the influence line? That's, ah, that's so good. Um, now, we... We're planning gatherings every week. We all know this every Sunday. Every, every Sunday, next Sunday's coming. Um, what, what are some things you did to be a part of the weekend service planning, or were you a part of the weekend service planning? Early on days, I was, definitely. Uh, we had a creative team um, in the early days uh, where we would create, you know, maybe two months out, what we want the services to look like, what we want the feel and vibe to be, any special elements we want to add. You know, we had creative programming teams. Um, as we got bigger, um, you know, we I kind of moved out of that role, uh, and I was more informed of what was going on. And so what, what happened when we moved out of that role, uh, you know, got bigger and more campuses and all that, moved out of that role, we would plan out our services, or I'm going to rephrase that. We would plan out our message series uh, about... Mm, like in October, we would already have everything laid out for the following year. Okay. Not, not the entire message, but the concept for each month. Then we take those concepts, hand that to the lead of the leader of the creative programming, and they can take that, know that the month of March is going to be on this sort of series, and they start creating according to that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And now that would be, that would be the same across all the campuses. Yes. Yes, not just, yeah, you guys are always running same themes. Yeah, yeah. Across, no, yeah, they do have freedom. There's no yeah, doubt. Yeah, right, of course. Yeah, but, but yes. Mm -hmm. That's that's great. So our podcast, this podcast is called The Table, and um, I believe that good conversation happens over good food. Mm -hmm. um, if I was coming over to your house for dinner, what would a meal be that you'd be serving? Cereal. Cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Cereal. <laughs> cereal. What? If I have it my way, it'll be cereal. <laughs> I am a cereal connoisseur. That's amazing. So if it was your wife's way, what would she be serving? 
Oh, why am I going to hilarious? Hmm. It would probably, ah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what does she, what does she do? She said, well, she's Hispanic, so she loves Mexican food. So oh, fantastic. We have some sort of Mexican flair. I can promise you that. What, if, if what it's the, me, uh, cereal. So, so what is your, what is your cereal? It's like your top choice there. That's, oh my goodness. Wow. Cereal uh, connoisseur. I was uh, not expecting that. That's, that, that's a fantastic. Oh, well, tell you, uh, no, I'll tell you, I'll give you the quick version. Uh, on the not so sugary side, uh, well, I shouldn't say not so sugary. Like you know, when you classify it as not sugared cereal, life <laughs> cinnamon life is by far one of my favorite. Okay, uh, honey bunches of honey bunches of oats definitely one of my favorite. When we go over to the to the other side, uh, love cocoa puffs. <laughs> the other side, I love <laughs> the dark side. The dark side. The dark side. I love cocoa puffs. I love cocoa puffs, sugar corn puffs, and but I really like. I love Captain Crunch, but it always tears up the roof of my mouth. <laughs> now, now if if we open the cupboard at your house, are, are they all there? Are they? Oh, oh yeah, dude. It's uh, I, yeah, we got a whole dedicated aisle. I have a I have a safe on it too, so I, with a number. That's... Yeah, no one touched my cereal. No one's allowed to get in there except for me. So, do you have like like dessert cereal or in like and like a meal cereal, or is it just like whenever you yeah, want? Meal cereal is going to be more like uh, cinnamon life. Yeah, uh, uh, a dessert cereal is more like the cocoa puffs. I I like the fruity pebbles, cocoa pebbles. Sugar oh cocoa yeah! Puffs. Wow. Um, bro, I mean, just name it. I don't uh, Captain Crunch. I like it, but it tears up the roof of my mouth. Let me tell you on the other side, though. I don't know if you've ever had a bowl of grape nuts. Have you ever had that? I, I don't know that I have. I'm not that it old yet. Weird. <laughs> it, you'll have to take a nap after you eat a bowl of grape nuts, bro. I'm t- <laughs> it is so exhausting chewing. It. Like it never, it never gets to the point where you can swallow it. <laughs> I've asked this question on every podcast and I am that was that you caught me off guard with the cereal. That's that's good. That's everyone's always like barbecue and smoked and cereal and, and no, Chris, cereal. No 100%. We're going to have the cereal buffet that you just get to choose which cereal goes in your bowl and then you know I'm a huge is a little side thing. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Yes. Like, all things Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is a huge serial fan. That's a little oh. in his own, you know, in his own personal real life. Yeah. He's a, but he makes the funniest comment. I've seen him live, and he made the funniest comment about live serial. He goes, Who's the arrogant person that sat there and thought, you know what, we're gonna call this serial life? <laughs> <laughs> like it's the biggest thing. In the world. <laughs> because you gotta be pretty confident to call your serial life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an elf when they're like world's greatest cup of coffee that's right <laughs> <laughs> same thing like this is life <laughs> that's amazing oh chris hey how can we connect with you and how can we connect with church boom and chris Sonskin, yeah, all the things yeah. uh all things churchboom.org uh you can connect with us at churchboom.org uh, <clears throat> you can find out there about coaching and how to help us rescue churches, all that stuff is all there. If you go to Chris Songson, so my last name is S-O-N-K-S-E-N-C-H-R-I-S and then S-O-N-K-S-E-N. So my full name, chrissongson.com. You can actually get a hold of me there uh, for anything. Uh, it's, I love it. Chris, thanks so much for hanging out today. Yeah. I, I appreciate this and all the all those, uh, everything you said today was just, so it's good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it was a privilege to be on it. Thanks for letting me be on the show, man. No problem. See you guys.